Well, thanks for coming out this morning. Cold, snowy January morning. Much appreciated. And to reiterate on what Tim said earlier, a big shout out to all our volunteers and our snow removal team. But in addition to that, our band came in early, the volunteers that helped get the service ready, rich kids, people went early. I was in pretty early this morning, like about 7 or 7.30, someone showed up. The church wasn't even unlocked. Lights weren't even on yet. And uh, he was here to set up for Ridge Kids this morning. Drove in, was still snowing and all that. So I've said it before, I'll say it again. Ridge volunteers are second to none. So thank you very much uh, for doing that. One quick announcement, because I'm afraid I might forget to announce this at the end of the service. As you leave this morning, if you go out by now, I don't think it had been plowed when you came in. When you get up here to the corner of 25th Street, there's a bit of an incline, which sometimes can make it tricky if you have to stop with cars coming to pull out. You can always turn left out of the parking lot, go north. It ends up being Rocky Ford. You can either turn left or right, whichever direction you need to go. So that is an alternative route to get out of here. Um, if that's not plowed and uh, it makes it uh, a little easier, especially depending on what kind of vehicle you have um, to get out on, rather than trying to get out on 25th Street. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a sign that looks like this? If you've ever attended a marathon, if you've ever participated um, in a marathon, you know that people make a lot of signs and they'll hold them up as the runners go around and uh, one of, the, one of them that you see at almost every marathon is one that looks like this. Or, or maybe you've seen this on a bumper sticker somewhere. Or maybe you've heard someone quote it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? And does it hold true in every situation? And is it intended to be met the way people often quote it? That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Well, hold on to all those questions. We'll come back to them a little bit later and uh, address that. But let me ask you this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? When things are out of your control, when you have no other options, you are just stuck. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it could even be a marriage. You don't want to give up. You don't want to leave. But you're about to lose hope because you feel like you've tried everything. You've even tried counseling. It just doesn't seem to be working. You just feel stuck. Maybe you're 16 years old and you're struggling with your parents and you're thinking, I can't leave home till I'm 18. These next two years are going to be the two longest years of my life. Life And you've talked to other people about it, and other people just don't seem to understand. Maybe it's really your finances. You know, you go to bed thinking about them, you wake up thinking about them, because you don't necessarily see any way out. You've got yourself in way over your head. Sure, there may be some options, but all those options are going to take years, if not a lifetime, to dig yourself out. And furthermore, it's just going to make it really difficult and complicated. It just seems impossible. Or you go to the doctor and you get a bad report. And he tells you you're not going to die at least soon. But what he tells you is going to change your life. Maybe forever. He tells you it's treatable, but not curable. What are you do in that situation? 
Or you've always dreamed about going to med school. You've dreamed about going to law school. You've just dreamed about going to college, but now you know it's not going to happen. Your parents are so disappointed in you, and you had these dreams. You had your future planned out. It's not going to happen. And you're tempted to want to run or abandon or crawl in a hole or Just maybe even do something stupid, something self-destructive. Smoke your way, drink your way, eat your way out of it, you know. Have an affair. But you know all those options will probably just complicate your life even more and make it worse. What do you do in situations like that? And you look on, you know, social media, and everybody else's life seems to be going great. They're posting about their new job, the vacation they took, these great family pictures. And you know all that's not true. You know that's just a highlight reel of everybody's life. But you don't have any highlights, you know. And you look at social media, and that just discourages you. And where is God in all this? I mean, you've prayed about it. You've asked him to fix your problems and they haven't gone away. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? What do you do when you don't know what to do? When there's no way forward, where you see no way out? There's a guy who figured out how to be content even though his circumstances were really bad. You heard me right. There was a guy who learned to have joy and peace in his life in the worst of circumstances. Now, it'd be worth finding out what his secret was, wouldn't it? Be worth knowing that. So let's do this. Let's start out with a definition of contentment. Here's how we're going to define contentment this morning. Contentment is the ability to be okay on the inside when things aren't okay on the outside. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, sometimes bad things happen to us because of what we've done, what we've caused to happen. You know, we screwed up. We don't like it, but maybe it's easier to accept. And even if it was our fault, what do we do? I mean, when we see no way out. What about those times, though, when things happen to us and we have no control over? And that's You know, they're just like they are. Someone leaves and we didn't want them to. Our parents moved and didn't even ask our opinion on it. Someone we love gets sick. Someone we love dies. Tragedy strikes. We didn't do anything to cause any of that. Yet, we're stuck with it. Do you mean to tell me, Jerry, that you can find contentment, you can find peace even in those seasons of life? Here's what I'll tell you. I know someone who did And he tells us what his secret was. The guy I'm talking about is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wrote many of the books of the New Testament. Here's one of them that he wrote. Here's what he said in Philippians 4.11. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. What a statement. He had learned to be content with whatever He had. Could we say the same? I know I couldn't. I know there have been times when I wasn't content, more than I would like to admit. Now, I I do want to point out that he said he had learned to be content. In other words, it's a process. It's something we can learn. And I found out in my entire Christian experience, in my relationship with Jesus, that it is a learning process. 
I learn that I digress, but I can learn. So I can grow. That means I can change. Contentment is available to me if I'm willing to learn, which gives us great hope, doesn't it? So my question after reading the words we just read from Philippians 4.11 would be this. How, you know, how have you learned this, Paul? How did you learn to be content regardless of your circumstances? Well, Paul continues to tell us. He goes on in verse 12. He actually explains in detail what he's talking about. Here's what he says. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, plenty or little. In what we just read in Philippians 4.12 there, the word that stands out to me is the word secret. He's learned the secret to be content. So what is the secret of being okay on the inside when things aren't okay on the outside? Now, by the way, let's be sure we're clear on this. Paul goes into more details in this verse about his circumstances. So apparently he had times in life where he had to learn to be content when he had almost nothing to eat. When he had very little. This is a letter that Paul wrote called Philippians. It's called that because he wrote it to a church at a city called Philippi. He wrote this letter from prison. He tells us that in chapter 1. So let's be sure we understand this. He has learned to be content in his circumstances when he was in prison. And he wasn't in prison because of he committed some crime. He was in prison because of his faith in Christ. So he, if anyone, will be qualified to tell us how to be okay on the inside when things aren't okay on the outside, when there's nothing you do, can do, right? Let me tell you what his secret was not. It's not praying that God will take away my problems, remove the person in my life causing me stress, changing their attitude, winning the lottery so you don't have financial problems, changing your parents' mind, or healing you. In other words, the problem isn't always solving all what you perceive to be your problems. Wow. Wow. Honestly, for some of you, maybe think, you may be thinking, well, Jerry, that's why I'm here today, to hear how God can fix my problems. Or, you know what, honestly, that's the kind of God I really want. I want a God who will change my circumstances when I pray to him. That's not the God presented in the Bible. But keep listening, okay? There's a takeaway worth hearing when we get to the end of this. Take Paul, for example. His life was far from perfect. He'd actually had bad thing after bad thing happen to him. On one occasion, he prayed about apparently some kind of health issue or physical problem in his life. He actually calls it a thorn in the flesh. Some people think it was his eyesight was failing because he refers to that in some of his letters. Think how hard it'd be to do what he did. I mean, he wrote a lot of letters and he couldn't see very well. He even at sometimes had to have his letters dictated by another person due to his inability to write because of his eyesight. So he prayed not once, not twice, but three times that God would fix this problem in his life. 
God did not. So how can you be content when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want him to? Let me read to you Paul's experience. And by the way, God did answer, but it just wasn't the way Paul expected him or wanted him to answer. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul again talking. Here's what he said. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see what Paul is saying there? Somehow, God can take the bad things that happen in our lives and bring good from them, sometimes for us. And in Paul's case, God wanted Paul to know that when he felt weak, that's when God's power worked best through him. It kept him dependent on God. It kept him trusting God. It kept him from being proud. God did not change Paul's circumstances. God used Paul's circumstances to change him. And as a result, because Paul was willing to accept that, he found contentment. So all that background to bring us to what we want to focus on today in this series called Bumper Sticker Bible um, the verse we're going to focus on, Philippians 13, is clearly one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. You've heard it quoted. You may have seen it on a sign, even like one I showed you earlier. Maybe you've seen it on a shirt. This is also where we find out the secret to Paul's contentment. Here's what it says, Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And sometimes some of the versions read, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, often this verse is used as kind of a blanket statement to say, I can do anything. I can get cured if I claim this promise. You know, I can get a pay raise if I believe this verse, right? Now, as I mentioned earlier, if you've ever been to a marathon, um, either attended, participated, or whatever, you, you see signs all over the place. In almost every marathon, you'll see a sign, something holding up a sign that looks like this. Um, so some of those signs are pretty funny. As you're, it's kind of entertaining to read some of them as you're running along. Some of them are there to encourage you. Um, I've gone, I've been part of marathons where I, I've seen this one, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so here's my question. So you can run a marathon just by claiming this? I mean, does Christ supernaturally infuse Gatorade, energy bars, you know, stamina into you? I don't think so. <laughs> if you don't train, if you don't put in the miles ahead of time, I don't care how much you claim Philippians 4.13, you can slap this sign as you run by. You're not going to be able to run a marathon. Now, I get it. I, I know why it's out there. It's used to encourage someone, to give them hope. Or look up here on the screens. Check out this one. A football team used this sign to run through before the game. Does God really care who wins that high school football game? And, and could, could this team actually win just by claiming the supernatural power? Sometimes, you know, you'll hear someone say almost flippantly, well, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
here's what we need to understand. This verse, Philippians 4.13, is said in a context. And it has to be interpreted in light of that. But actually, when you understand it, it's better, it's richer than you think. In fact, when you take this verse out of context, you actually miss the secret to contentment that Paul is referring to. Now, remember, we said that Paul wrote this when he was rotting in a prison. I don't think it was necessarily meant for football games or marathons. This isn't like a Rocky movie. You know, there was no music playing behind him when he wrote this. This was life or death for him. What Paul meant was this. No matter what my circumstances, I can find strength in my relationship with Jesus. I get strengthened with his strength. This is something that comes from Christ. So this is supernatural. This is something inexplicable. It comes from your relationship with Jesus when you become a follower of his. And this strength will bring you contentment in spite of your circumstances. This last year, this last fall, I had the opportunity to participate in a triathlon. It was a long one. It was called a half Ironman. And a half Ironman is where you you swim 1.2 miles, then you bike 56 miles, then you run 13.1 miles. In other words, a half marathon. I chose to do it in October this last year because I wanted to do it when the temperatures were cooler. You know, I could have done it in July when it was 90 degrees and humid, but I didn't want to have any part of that. So the day I did it in October, it was 87 and humid. No kidding. <laughs> I listened to the weather forecast that morning and they said, well, we may have a record high today. We did. So I really had to pay attention that day to hydration, to electrolytes, to sodium intake, all those kinds of things. And when I got to the run, about mile three, I was spent, you know. And I knew I had 10 more miles to go, and it was going to be a struggle. But at about mile three, I heard someone from behind me yell, Jerry. And I turned around, and here was a guy riding up to me on a bike. It was a guy that... I know that I train with, his name is Matt. And to my surprise, he had decided to come. And he was riding the bike. He rode up beside me. He said, here's, here's what he said. He said, hey, I'm just going to ride alongside of you for the next 10 miles. And just encourage you to keep your mind off how tired and spent you are. Soon after, another friend showed up um, with whom I worked out. His name was Scott. He came for the same, same reason. I had no idea either of them were coming. And they kept me going. They stayed with me for the next 10 miles to help me finish. And it made all the difference in the world to have them there. For the first three miles of the run, all I could think about was how much I was suffering. I kept thinking, okay, 11 more miles, 10 and a half more miles, 10 and a quarter more miles. 10 and an eighth miles, you know, 10 miles. But when they arrived, it totally changed the way I thought. They encouraged me. You can do this. You've trained for this. They also joked around with me. They made it more fun for me. I'm not even at liberty to share with you everything they said to me. <laughs> but they kept my mind off the negative thoughts. I told them afterwards. I said, guys, I couldn't have done this without you. Honestly, going into it, I thought, I'll be fine. I don't need anybody out here. Furthermore, it'll be boring for them to follow me around. I found out differently when things got difficult. Jesus can infuse supernatural power into our lives when we need it most, leading to contentment regardless of our circumstances. That's the power behind Philippians 4.13. 
We often gravitate towards self-sufficiency, don't we? I got this, you know. I got the degree. I've got the position. I've got the 401k. I got the nice car. I got the nice house. My health is fine. But then life happens. And suddenly we realize we don't got this. Even though we want to be God of our lives, we find out we're not God of our lives. We can't control everything. The unexpected happens. Then when it hits us that we don't have this, if we realize Jesus can have this, and he does, that's what he wants to do. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing happens in my life that surprises him. He can even take the worst of my circumstances and turn them around for good or give me the strength to make it through them. If Jesus can drag a cross to his death, if he can suffer a horrible death for me, then come back to life three days later, I want that kind of strength in my life. And by the way, one of the most amazing statements in the Bible is Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. It tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Check this out. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power is available for us. If Jesus had the strength to go to the cross and had the power from God the Father to be raised from the dead, I want that kind of strength in my life when I don't think I can go on. Because I can handle all circumstances in life through Christ who gives me strength. That's the message of Philippians 4.13. It's the secret to contentment. Knowing that Jesus will be there with me and giving me the strength to go on. You feeling alone today? Are you single and don't want to be? Jesus can give you strength to be content in your circumstances. Just feeling lonely? Maybe you're tempted to move forward with a relationship that you know is not going to be good for you, won't be healthy for you, it's going to cause you to compromise, but it beats loneliness, right? No. You can't do this on your own, but Christ can in you. Are things not going well at home? You never know what version of him or her you're going to get on any given day, and you're thinking, I, I can't keep doing this. You're right, you can't on your own. You can with Christ. He'll give you strength. Things not going well with your parents? Ask God what he wants you to learn from this. You may look back and see that those two years that you consider to be the longest two years of your life will serve you well in years to come because you learn to rely on the power of Christ. You hear from the doctor and he says, we can treat this, but there is no cure. You pray and ask God to heal you. Will he? He can. Perhaps he has another plan for you. And that plan could be for you to learn to rely on his strength when you don't have any strength. Is your career not going the direction you hoped it would go? You look around, everybody else seems to be doing okay, especially on social media. How do you find contentment in that? You aren't doing so great. You can find contentment in your relationship with Jesus. You're right where he wants you to be, at least for the moment. And he'll give you the strength you need. Struggling to forgive someone? Is that what's keeping you up at night? 
that's what's keeping you from having peace in your heart, no matter how hard you try, the bitterness just seems much closer to the surface than you realized, where do you find strength to forgive? From the one who forgave you of all your sins. I can't, but you can. Maybe that's a better way for us to understand what this verse is saying. I can't, but you can. Let me leave you with a question and then a promise this morning. Here's the question. What stirs your discontent? What is it that causes you to worry the most, to stress out the most, that keeps you awake at night, or keeps you from finding joy or peace in your life? Here's what you need to know this morning. That may be the place where God can do his greatest work in your life. So here's the promise. Back to the book of Philippians, where we've been this morning. It's something Paul wrote early in the book, in the first chapter. Here's what he said. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul wrote these words while he wasted away in a prison. Prison wasn't a place Paul was trying to get out of. He found contentment when he realized that prison was the place where Christ wanted him. Because Paul could do all things through Christ who gave him strength. That same promise is available to all of us.